Redfield Arts Audio. Redfield Arts Audio presents Poe Forevermore Radio Theater. John Aston as Montresor and Mark Redfield as Fortunato in Edgar Allan Poe's The Cask of Amontillado. Poe's Tale of Revenge, served ice cold, was published in the November 1846 issues of the magazines Godey's Ladies Book and the New England Weekly Review. Our production was adapted and directed by Tony Sandeas, with incidental music and soundscape by David Crandall. Our star, John Aston, has performed a one-man show called Edgar Allan Poe, Once Upon a Midnight, written by Paul Day Clemens and Ron Majid. Said John about Poe, I feel that Poe, through his own tortured existence, gained deep insight into the nature of the universe, along with an intense love and appreciation for life itself. Through this play, I want to share that impression with others. John Aston is teaching and directing theater in Baltimore at Johns Hopkins University and has had a long, rich career as an actor in radio, films, and television. Here's Dick Clark on American Bandstand, introducing John when playing the character he's best remembered for. In the celebrity corner this Saturday afternoon, Charlie, we have a man who is the head of a rather unusual family. His, uh, his title in the series is Gomez. He is the daddy of the Adams family. This is Mr. John Aston. John, welcome. I don't, I don't imagine this sort of a thing is too unusual to you now in the new scene. Uh, you see the rather unique and unusual, do you not? People dressed like this? Yeah, well, this kind of looks like your family, doesn't it? My kind of people, yeah. <laughs> you know, from Dickens and Fenster to the Adams family, sort of a change of pace. Is it really, though, or is it just that the people look a little different? No, it's a change of pace, Dick. Uh, it's uh, quite a difference. Do you, do you find that uh, your friends or your family have any peculiar reaction to your part? No, they, uh, they've always seen me this way. It's <laughs> <laughs> unique and unusual. No, actually, it's very interesting. Uh, one night I came home with uh, makeup on, and uh, my kids uh, saw me. Uh, I have two small boys and uh, they're three and five, and they ran and screamed and hid and uh, so forth, and I chased them. <laughs> and uh, uh, the next morning I woke up, and of course in the meantime I washed the uh, makeup off, and uh, they said, uh, hey, Dad, put on your eyes and scare us. <laughs> this is three and five years old? Yeah, well, you, I don't know whether you, whether you folks at home realize that when a show gets 70% of the audience, that doesn't happen very often. That's happened to the Adams Family. It is the hit of the season. Needless to say, we're happy as the daylights about it. But there's one aspect to it, the music. Has that been recorded yet? It will be soon. Uh, Vic Mizzy uh, wrote the... I'm, I'm, I guess the uh, kids here know the, uh, you know, the... I think our guests are charming, don't you? Yes, especially the one with the scar. Reminds me of Rupert Sticks. Oh. The same beautiful beady eyes. I thought we had agreed, Morticia, never to mention the name of Rupert Sticks again. Oh, Miss Darling, you're not still jealous. You were engaged to him. Oh, well, I was just a silly young girl then. 
I was fascinated by his long fingernails and, and the way his lip curled when he smiled. He was a handsome devil. <laughs> Morticia, please, never mention his name again. I promise. Bobo. Carita mia. When we're together, darling, every night is Halloween. <laughs> And now, The Cask of Amontillado, adapted by Tony Sandeas. Recorded before a live audience at Westminster Hall in Baltimore, the burial place of Edgar Allan Poe, with John Astin as Montresor and Mark Redfield as Fortunato. Here's Mark Redfield to set the scene. I love radio theater. I love doing radio theater because I get to play parts that aren't necessarily my type, as they say in the business. I can be taller, I can be older, I can be younger, I can do all kinds of different things. And you, the listener, what's wonderful about radio theater is you get to really exercise your imaginations. You get to be the art director and create the sets. You get to be the costume designers and make the costumes. What is Fortunato, my character? I'm lucky enough in this play to play Fortunato. What is his motley? What does his fool's costume look like? Now, in my mind's eye, I picture Fortunato often well, I picture him just, um, maybe he's a little, he's a little heavier person, so, and he walks, he's often out of breath because it doesn't take but a few steps to, whew, <laughs> and he's, he's a, generally a jolly fellow, even though he's a little heavier, and of course in this story he's just a little bit drunk, you see. That's how I picture Fortunato. But it's not his story. This story is Montresor's story. And so... The cask of Monteado. I remember the thousand injuries of Fortunato I had borne as best I could, but when he ventured upon insult, I vowed revenge. However, I, I gave no utterance of a threat. I would be avenged at length. A wrong is unredressed when retribution overtakes the redresser. Therefore, I must not only punish, but punish with impunity. Understand, neither by word or deed had I given Fortunato cause to doubt my goodwill. <laughs> so long ago, it still rings in my ear, and he had the impudence to pretend an apology. Oh, my dear friend, <laughs> I'm glad you took no insult. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Another toast. Friendship. <laughs> For all eternity. <laughs> I continued to smile in his face, and he did not perceive that my smile was now at the thought of his obliteration. Fortunato had a weak point. 
He prided himself in his connoisseurship in wine. I was skillful in the Italian vintages myself and bought largely whenever I could. It was just about dusk when I encountered my, <laughs> my friend during the supreme madness of the carnival season. I noticed him, though I acted as if I hadn't, forcing him to pursue me. Montessor! Uh, Montessor, it's me! <laughs> excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. Montresor! Montresor, Montresor! <laughs> Hello, my, my dear friend. Hello. Fortunato. Yes, Cestois. <laughs> I almost didn't recognize you, dressed as you are. Uh, you, you, you mean as a fool. <laughs> yes. Well, in keeping with the spirit of the carnival, for tonight I am Fortune's fool. Then, as Fortune's fool, you are well and most fortunately met. <laughs> for I have what I hope oh. to be a rare Epicurean treat. Oh. But I have my doubts. Oh, well, you, you, you intrigue me, Montezorn. I will do more than that, my friend. For I have what passes uh, hmm? for a cask of Amontillado. But, as I say, I have my doubts. A what? How? Amontillado? An entire... Impossible. And in the middle of carnival? A cask? Impossible. You say Amontillado? I have my doubts. <gasps> and I, silly enough to pay the full Amontillado price without consulting you first. Well, you should have consulted me. Where did you get it? I couldn't consult you. You were nowhere to be found. <laughs> I was afraid of losing a bargain. I understand. A full barrel, a Montiardo. I have my doubts. Mm, a Montiardo. And I must have satisfaction. Mm, I must know. Montiardo. Yes. In fact, it was just on my way to see Lucchese. If anyone can give me definitive assessment, he can. Lucchese. So, perhaps I... Lucchese, he couldn't tell an Amontillado from Sherry. Well, by some, his taste is regarded as equal to your own. By who? By fools? <laughs> Do not insult me, Montresor. Oh, no insult intended. Well, then, none taken. Oh, oh, it is unfortunate. What is? Well, I'm on my way to meet my good wife, the Lady Fortunato. Were it not for this, I would return with you now to give you my assessment. Oh, that is unfortunate. Mm. Well then, I suppose I have no recourse but to keep my appointment with the Casey. Good day, Fortunato! Oh, wait, uh, wait, wait. Let me uh, think a moment. Oh? Hmm. I will return with you now, Montresor, and test this Amontillado of yours. Nothing would make me happier. <laughs> Let us go! <laughs> I felt intoxicated by my elation, but with the skill of an actor, outwardly showing nothing. I remember I said to him, I do not believe you have ever visited my wine cellar before. A slight I shall make amends for today. Yes, you shall. Their legend precedes them. Ah, I had him, but could not resist the temptation to uh, play. <laughs> I, I said, 
Now, they are extensive, but my friend, no, I have reconsidered. I, I, I will not impose upon your good nature. Oh, this is not an imposition. I will not allow the cases. And you said something about having to pick up your fool's costume for the carnival. Oh, what are you talking about? Are you drunk? I'm already dressed like a fool. Of course you are. Perhaps memory invented that. <laughs> memory does. We only remember once. After that, all we remember is our memory of the memory of the memory. We continued our progress toward my palazzo. Then he suddenly <laughs> sneezed. He sniffled and muttered. Where is that handkerchief? Oh, yes, my friend. Now I see you are coming down with a cold. Oh. My vaults are insufferably damp. They're encrusted with nitre. It would be terrible for your cold. Nitre, <laughs> oh, but the cold is a mere nothing. <laughs> Perhaps you don't wish to share, Montresor, or would prefer to share with Lacasey? No assertion could be as distant from the truth as the one you have just made. Truth, a difficult thing to unravel. Amontillado. Hmm. Let us proceed with alacrity. Then Fortunato mumbled under his breath in contempt. Lucchese. Then, as if newly invigorated, he set the pace and bellowed into the night air. To your vaults! <laughs> we shall see what we shall see. And more. <laughs> I quietly suffered his already inebriated stumbles and the abuse of his mere presence, smiling broader and broader with each step. I knew my home would be empty. I had told the servants that I would not be back and given them explicit orders not to stir from the house. This was sufficient, I well knew, to ensure their immediate disappearance. One and all, the minute my back was turned. Mm, you have a nice home, Montresor. Its modest nature does not detract from its charm. This way. I cannot wait. Nor I. I took from their sconces two detachable lanterns and handed one to Fortunato. Ah, oh, very clever. Thank you, Montresor. I... I bade Fortunato... Oh. Be careful on the stairs. Oh, they are an interesting feature. Oh, my ancestors were eccentric, and our vaults are, in their own way, peculiar. Ah, I place my trust in you. And it is well placed. We descended a long and winding staircase that led to the uh, catacombs and the wine cellars. His safety was my concern. Oh. Careful there. A broken step. Uh, I'm fine, fine. Proceed. We came at length to the foot of the descent. We stood a few moments together on the damp grounds of the catacombs, adjusting to our environment. Then we continued on. His gait was increasingly unsteady. 
His dress gave the impending horror, the piquancy of the absurd. How much further? The catacombs are extensive. This way. Uh, what is that on the walls? The nighter. Oh. Oddly beautiful in its own way, though it does contribute to the health of the air. Uh, no, indeed not. Uh, notice also the quite intricate webs of a multiplicity of spiders. How much further? <coughs> ah, your cough. We must head back. <coughs> Nonsense. We are here. Lead the way. No, oh, if you insist. There is always a Lucchese. I insist onward. Of course. That now. Hmm. We must navigate through this narrow archway. And a sharp turn here. How did they get the cask down here? <laughs> that was the problem of the laborers who delivered the goods, not mine. Uh, indeed. <laughs> but I sleep well, knowing my stocks are secure. They are extensive, as you can now see. <gasps> Fortunato's eyes widened as he beheld thousands of bottles of wine, neatly arrayed in racks. He licked his lips as if he were a low comic actor playing a scene instead of actually seeing it unfold in real life. I am impressed, Montresor. I knew you would be. Where is the Amontillado? What you see here is but a portion of my wine cellar. Ah. The rarities are located further on. <laughs> Indeed. Ah, <coughs> uh, we must go back. <coughs> oh, no, no, no. Enough. I have not traveled, traveled this far for no reason. <coughs> True, I, I had no intention of alarming you unnecessarily, but you, you should use proper caution. A sip of this Madoc will protect us from the damp. Ah, yes, indeed. Why not? Eh? <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Are these... Um... Burial vault? Yes, the final resting place for all of my clan. Oh, I, I knocked off the neck of a bottle of wine, which I drew from a long row of dusty bottles and handed him the bottle for the first drink. I drink to your health and to the buried dead of the Montresors who surround us. Mm. And I to your long life. Ah. Oh, thank you, Montresor. These uh, vaults are extensive. Uh, the Montresors were a great and numerous family. Mmm, delicious. Did I forget your family's coat of arms? It is a human foot. Ah. Bare. Mm -hmm. In a field of azure. Oh. The foot is crushing the head of a serpent, whose fangs are in the heel of the foot. Well, that, uh, that must be something to see. <laughs> the wine sparked in his eyes, and I watched intoxication mm. slowly overtake him again. Bring it along with you. The Amontillado waits. <laughs> A cask. Unbelievable. Oh, watch your step. <gasps> what? Is this place? Oh, a most unusual addition made by a particularly eccentric ancestor. We stood gazing at innumerable reflections of ourselves above, below, and in front of us. Each reflection featured an optical distortion unique unto itself. The effect 
was overwhelming. An infinity of reflections. Seemingly so. Each of the mirrors is positioned just so to reflect a single image into legion. Its effect is most, um, dizzying and uh, not a little sick-inducing. So many distortions of you and me and myself. And, uh, and despite distortions all equally true and all equally false... If you say, well, let us make us uh, through this as quickly as we may... Agreed. It's not far now. At that moment, I felt pity for him. A strong emotion which was, before long, replaced with an even stronger taste of contempt, which made me smile. Once we proceeded, his eyes flashed with fierce light. <laughs> he laughed and gesticulated his hand and arm in a way that escaped me. <laughs> you do not comprehend. <laughs> She gestured again. I stared at him. Huh. No, what is it? Then you are not of the Brotherhood? I thought not. How? You are not of the Masons. Oh, but I am. You? Impossible. A Mason. <laughs> yes, a Mason. The sign, then, if you are in fact a Mason? Here. <gasps> I answered by producing a trowel from beneath the dark folds of my cloak. <laughs> you toy with me, Montresor. Very good. I can see you must be a mason then. Very good indeed. An excellent chest. <laughs> Let us proceed now to the Amontillado. Your wish. We journeyed for further into the bowels of the recesses, and then, at long last, we have arrived! Finally, let's hope it was worth the trip. I'm sure it will be. What in God's name? The walls were lined with human remains, piled to the vault overhead in the fashion of the great catacombs of Paris. Three sides of this interior crypt were still ornamented in this magnificent French manner. From the fourth, the bones had been thrown down and lay promiscuously upon the earth, forming at one point a mound of some considerable size. <laughs> These bones <coughs> and the smell! All the unsanctioned remains of enemies long past. Look, just ahead. Yet Hmm? Do you see where the bones cover that small hmm? opening? Uh, the Amontillado? I nodded and led him toward the dark chamber. We displaced the, the foul bones until the path was clear enough for us to proceed. Quite an adventure I've gotten myself into this evening. Ah, uh, help me move these aside. Mm, uh, mm. <laughs> we displaced the foul bones until the path was clear enough for us to proceed. Uh, now, don't be squeamish. Squeamish? <laughs> Here, the cask is in this recess. Here, why, the lantern barely pierces the dark. Oh, I had to keep it secure, given its value. Oh, quite, quite so. I, I don't understand why my buyers didn't hear of this. Happenstance, after you. Mm -hmm. <sighs> after roughly 15 feet, we were stopped by a granite wall. 
for a nearly comical moment, my friend stood stupidly bewildered. In the next moment, in the next moment, I realized the deft maneuver I had practiced countless times for this occasion. <gasps> Grabbing a chain and shackle, I fettered him to the granite. Oh. I forced both hands above his head. Oh. Completed their startled journey, arriving at their terminus in the shackle, which was immediately locked. <sighs> Withdrawing the key, I stepped back from the recess. A monstrous hole. Feel the damp? It is excessive. And I uh, dimly perceive an astonishing number of webs for such a small enclosure. Once more, I implore you to return, please. <laughs> no? <laughs> then I must leave you. But first... Oh, Malta, the new Malta. I thought... I render you my best. <laughs> All right, enough carnival frivolity. Don't leave. Montresor, please don't leave me. Surely this is a joke with... with, with Montresor? Yes, my friend. Oh, I knew it was a jest. You didn't leave. No. First masonry for the mason. Huh? Fortunato's intoxication had, of course, worn off. So sobering was his current moment. This I knew from the low wailing moan that, as my building progressed and his terror grew, began to emanate from the depths of the recess. From the depth of his tomb, it was not a cry of a drunken man, but of one who now understood his nightmare was real. This was followed by what I regarded as a long and obstinate silence. I labored on. After I laid the fourth tier of stones, I heard the frenzied rattling of the chains, mingled with the pathetically comic jingle of the bell in his fool's cap. I decided to rest a moment and enjoy the symphony. I've always appreciated new music, and this was quite a passionate performance. When the music subsided, I resumed. Now, when the wall was at rest level, I raised my lantern, casting a dull glow upon the mocking figure within, and then... Oh! I was pushed violently back by the suddenness of this sound. I hesitated a moment. Oh! I even trembled. Decided to reply. <laughs> it was nearly midnight. My labors were nearly complete. There was now but one stone remaining to be placed in the wall. I readied the heavy stone. Before I placed it, I heard... <laughs> A 
an excellent jest. <laughs> we shall have many laughs over it in the future. <laughs> At your palazzo over wine. <laughs> Amontillado? Yes, Amontillado. <laughs> but now, now the hour is late. Come, we must be going to the palazzo. There, my wife and the others are friends. Please. Why? My wife. I will take care of the Lady Fortunato, as I have been. A lie added merely to enhance the suffering of his final suffering. <laughs> Montresor. For the love of God. Yes. Yes. For the love of God. My heart grew sick. I hastened to make an end to my labor. I forced the last stone into its position and plastered it up. Against the new masonry, I resurrected the bones as they were before. I left and did not return. For half a century, no mortal has disturbed the tomb. And then today, this evening, the anniversary of the deed, out of some strange species of curiosity, I, I have returned. Everything seemed as it was that night long ago, but as I grew closer, I saw the stones had been displaced. And then, and then I heard. <laughs> ah! You have been listening to Edgar Allan Poe's The Cask of Amontillado, a new adaptation written and directed by Tony Sandeas, especially for Poe Forevermore Radio Theater. The Cask of Amontillado starred John Astin as Montresor and Mark Redfield as Fortunato and was performed and recorded before a live audience at Westminster Hall, Baltimore. Our sound designer was David Crandall. Our audio engineer was Bill Dixon. For a full program schedule of plays and audiobooks, please visit us at poeforevermore.com. We hope you join us again for another thrilling tale of mystery and imagination. For Poe Forevermore Radio Theater, this has been your announcer, Marianne Perry.
Now available from Redfield Arts Audio. This house is full of sounds. My name is Roderick Usher. The loudest is your heart. Who's there? Pounding with fear. The softest is the sound of horror. In this house, terror waits for you in every room. No, no, not through that door. Madness, mystery, imagination. You'll find them all in Edgar Allan Poe's Haunted House of Usher. From Redfield Arts Audio, available now worldwide on Audible. Jeffrey Combs, Nevermore, An Evening with Edgar Allan Poe. Written by Dennis Paoli. Directed by Stuart Gordon. Recorded before a live audience. You are here this evening, no doubt, to hear yours truly recite the most popular poem ever written upon these shores. <laughs> For many years, my, my, my stories, my tales, that more popular than my poetry. Magazines and readership just demanded, oh, new tale, every issue. Hawker, oh, do you hear it? Louder, 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 louder. Villains, I shrieked. Dissemble no more, I admit the deed. Tear up the planks. Here, here, it is the beating of his hideous heart. Also available from Redfield Arts Audio. Marley was dead. To begin with, there is no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial of his approach. Bah, said Scrooge. Humbug. Christmas a humbug, Uncle. You don't mean that. I am who sure. are you? Ask me who I was. Who were you then? In life I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Can you and what are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Why, it's old Fezziwig! Bless his heart! It's Fezziwig alive again! Come in! Come in and know me better, man! I am the ghost of Christmas present! Look upon me! As the last stroke ceased to vibrate, he remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley and, lifting up his eyes, beheld a solemn phantom, draped and hooded, coming like a mist along the ground towards him. A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens As told by Mark Redfield Music and sound design by Jennifer Rouse From Redfield Arts Audio